What's up, YouTube? I'm Robert, and this is the Biker Bar podcast live stream. <laughs> this is episode 55. Today we have Jeff Kendall Weed with us, and we're on a short schedule. He's got a he's got a jump off right in an hour. So we're gonna we're gonna slam through the beginning of a part of this, and and we're just gonna start like machine gunning questions at him. So I, I really thank everybody that's tuned in so far um, on the stream right now. That's awesome. Good to see you guys all out there. Those of you guys listening on the podcast, right on, dude. Thanks a lot. I love the downloads. I love reading the comments you guys are leaving. That's good stuff. If you enjoy what we're doing here, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. You know the rest of the deal. I do want to say something real quick, though. Um, the sponsor of this show is Cali Protectives. And I'm yeah, telling Cali. you. <laughs> there, Jeff couldn't just couldn't keep his mouth shut down. <laughs> but yeah, Jeff. Jeff, we'll talk about that in just a second, actually. So, Callie, you guys know I, I'm a big fan of Callie Protectives. I'm assuming Jeff is as well. Um, and actually, you know what? I'll just go ahead and bring Jeff up online right now. And we can just go ahead and talk about that instead of wasting some time talking about this this sponsorship, right? How's it going, Jeff? Pretty decent. Pretty good. How are you? Not bad at all, man. Good to have you on the show, dude. I appreciate that. Um, so... I guess to 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 like dig right into the Cali thing, you had a big accident lately or recently. Yeah, uh, I've had a lot of big accidents recently, but <laughs> um, luckily I got one of them on camera a month ago and was able to like show the world. <laughs> yeah, uh, I got some kind of a concussion and separated a shoulder, but the, how big that hit was and um, how much trauma it was to my shoulder. It was pretty sick. It was one of those hits that I'm going to feel the rest of my life. It was a big one. I mean, I watched the video and, and to me, it looked like you had a shoulder separation. I did, uh, I yeah. I've got some like kind an of left shoulder separation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I never dealt with getting an MRI or anything. Like it's kind of a waste of time at this point. It's not going to change the treatment if it's yeah whatever. It just is what it is. So I'm not getting surgery. So why bother doing more, more images, but yeah, it, yeah, yeah, I separated. Better, though. I can. Yeah, you got that range of motion. It. Yeah, it takes some time. Coming back. Yeah, I separated mine a while back, and basically, like the doctor was just like, "Look, you gotta just give it time, and you know, do the right exercises or whatever." And so, I mean, you're you're on the right path. You, you know what he said to me too? He's like, "Just think of it as like." a bunch of rubber bands and every time you fell on that shoulder you snapped one of them and that day that you fell it wasn't the one that like snapped them all it was just the one that snapped the last one that you had hanging <laughs> uh i guess how did you do yours um basically my fork blew out and i went like my i was riding a lefty so the headset just dropped Jeez. down to the wheel and i was like instant over the handlebars and i think i must have had my my hand out in front of me because I took that impact with the hand and kind of just swoop. I, I knew as soon as I hit the ground, I heard that that internal pop and I was like, oh, that's not good. So you heard a pop. Wow. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. yeah. It must have been a bad one. Yeah, it was like a level three or something. My bone kind of sticks up yeah. a little funky and that's AC3. what my, my my good side is is a was a great third grade separation. And that was yeah. about 16 years old. I'm 35 now. And yeah. I've had zero long-term effects from it. And it just hangs extra funky. And now the other one matches pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> just set, set it up as a pair, right? You'll be fine. Although, honestly, like the full separations can sometimes heal quicker with less pain than the partials. Yeah. Which has been surprising me. Yeah. The only thing I have like a little, like I can feel the, the, the tendons or ligaments or whatever kind of like 
pop in certain positions, but my range of motion is fine. And like working out and stuff is fine. I mean, it, it, I definitely see it, it. It's fine. So it took a while to get back on the bike though. Are you going to ride a lefty again? <sighs> you know, I did for still another probably year after that. Tell you the truth. And really? It, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, cause I, it was one, it was one of those things, man. It was just a freak thing, dude. I mean, like people, you watch the internet and they're like, oh, carbon versus aluminum. And everybody's like, those frames break and blah, blah, blah. And, and and to me, it's like you watch those videos and it's like, it doesn't matter what the situation is. Like, bad things happen, you know, and you just have to chalk it up as that. Like, like you can watch just as many aluminum frame break videos as a carbon frame break videos on the internet, you know? Totally. I'm more afraid of breaking a rim than a frame at this point, though, because... I've only carried one frame out of the woods in two pieces. That one happened to be aluminum, but I don't know. When carbon frames break, I've, I see them usually break, but there's usually enough extra strands over it that they don't fully come apart under you. Yeah. Whereas when aluminum stuff, ironically enough, when it does break, it'll usually fully separate, which yeah. is kind of, I don't know. I'd rather not break any kind of a frame. Yeah, I've right. Plenty of both materials, but <laughs> I mean, having a carbon rim break and explode though, that's pretty substantially terrible. So. I haven't yeah, had I'd one explode. Break. I've I've uh, I've made one fail. Put it that way. So <laughs> it, it, it didn't uh, like I could still ride out, you know, like. But it it I I like hit a little booter rock, and whenever the rock that I landed on um, was like a like a triangle, you know what I mean? It was just like I pinned all my weight on that rear tire right on top of that, and it's like as soon as I hit it, I heard it like kink, and I was like, oh, that's no good. But no, it is what it is. I, I, Logan and I, Logan and I, I hired to film me a lot. <laughs> we were chatting the other day about rims, and he's like, you know, I haven't seen you break that many carbon rims, but I've seen a lot of carbon rims break on our shoots that our guests are riding. Yeah, and it's the truth. Like I've had, I've been riding with tons of people that have broken carbon rims on ride while we're trying to film more than I've broken carbon rims. I've broken one down in Puerto Rico. Where it was possible to get a replacement. So, Do you think it's course, because people are like pushing it on the film side, or you just think it's like just weird? Totally. Anytime you get a camera out, what's yeah. any type of GoPro, like especially if you're like have a reputation for posting and filming or whatever, the people are always pushing it harder than normal. And right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So so back to the Cali. You've been you you were sponsored by them. I don't know. Are you still or no? Um, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. I think my so. friend Cerise <laughs> started working there in like twenty. 12 or 13 uh-huh. and we had a downhill we had an enduro race team that retro sellers was the, the headlining sponsor of uh-huh. ibis retro sellers was the deal at the time and then one of the guys is an engineer now he's the head of engineering for sram so sram was on board smith was on board for protect for um helmets and uh sunglasses and then cali came in in a hot way with full face helmets and all kinds of pads and then Smith ended up falling off and Cali became the main protective sponsor. Yeah. And then I did a, the Maya launch helmet launch video for them in like 2015, I want to say. And uh, ever since it's been a good fit. So I've been running with Cali for like six or seven years now. So um, I'm calling basically... Robert. You want to say hi? <laughs> Hello there. <laughs> She can't quite hear because I've got my headphones in, but this is my my sidekick, my my one and only, my little. There you go. We were at mountain bikes for four hours today, and she was wearing her unicorn helmet, right? What color is it? 
turquoise and it's a cali unicorn helmet did you feel <laughs> safe yeah. yeah did you do a big drop in yeah. what trail did you ride here to there you certainly rode here to there that was a good trail that's one of the trails at the top of our local mountain and evelina absolutely shredded it today oh right on you did jack in the beanstalk it's a real narrow single track not crazy steep but not flat by any means i usually pedal up it it's my main climbing route and she rode down it today for the first time ever three and a half years old that's crazy she walked over one one steeper root drop and that's it good job evelina oh and you what did you wear on your legs today you did wear knee pads and those knee pads used to be mama's size small elbow pads <laughs> Oh, that's too funny. If you guys have ever seen Cali-sized small elbow pads, they are the smallest things ever, and they're just, like, fill up her entire leg. Oh, that's too funny. Yeah. Man, the chat keeps flipping around different directions. It's, like, new at the top, new at the bottom. Yeah, I'm not sure what's going on there. I'm just trying to <laughs> – it is what it is. I don't know what happened. I think my, my internet in my house just went down or something. But anyways, let's get on with it. We got we got a little bit of time. We can, we can make do. Um, so you were wearing a Cali helmet on that accent that you had just the other day, right? Yeah, I was wearing an older Maya. And I like the Mayas, but I like the Interceptors more. The Maya is you... super comfy with a big visor. And then yeah. the Interceptor, just it's it's more it's a smaller form factor. So if you do hit your head, it's less leverage. Hi, 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 hi. Yeah, so I like them both, but the Interceptor feels safer to me, while the Maya feels a little bit better on the day-to-day, -day, more casual stuff. So I kind of alternate them. Yeah, I wear, I wear the Maya all the time. I've never had the Interceptor. Oh, the Interceptor's rad. It has a, a different molding technology used in the foam, so it's got more of the lower-density foam built into it. Not the LDL, but yeah, blanking on that. Yeah, it's, it's got a second. It's a... Uh, if it's I hadn't had like, so many head like injuries, a, like I'd remember. A, like triangles of foam inside of it. Yeah, that's more substantially done in the Interceptor. So it's literally a softer helmet. It's a two-stage. Oh, I see. Whereas the Maya is has some of that, but not as much. The, so the Maya is fine, but the, the Interceptor is just a little bit softer. And in Costa Rica, I had a very similar crash as to two years ago, as to this one four weeks ago. And I broke the front of my scapula apart in Costa Rica it was a huge hit and I slapped my head right down, but no concussion. And that was an interceptor. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, the year before I had a massive hit to the head as well with the interceptor catching a pedal on a stump and then just down the hill also with the interceptor and no concussion. So I'm a big believer in the interceptor being super safe. I just wish yeah, I had a, sometimes I like the big visor of the Maya. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I, I've never even tried it on to tell you the truth. Ever since I know, I it looks it... more like a road helmet, but it's it's like more protective of the two, which is a little ironic. It doesn't look like it. Yeah, right. So yeah, it costs you, more because it has a lot more tech in it, but yeah. You put out a video. You said that um, I think you uh, broke your, your hips sometime in the past. Is that the worst? I've broken my had? pelvis three separate times over the last 11 years. How did you end up doing that the first time? 2006 collegiate national champs angel fire new mexico i'm all hot under the collar because i just like raced a ton in spain and did two world cups that year and in two years prior to this i'd gotten third place at the collegiate national champs in pennsylvania so i'm like well two years ago when i barely raced i was able to get third i should try to go for the win today and there's so i'm just like there's it snowed a whole bunch the night before the race 
And like, I'm this California kid. I don't know what to do in snow. And there's one really tough rock garden. I figured out how to pump and pump and pump my way through. Came in sprinting, started to pump and pump. And I just hit some snow and just slipped the wrong way. And instead of like over rotating in a corner, I turned the wrong way, hit the rocks and just got flung sideways into the rock garden and landed right on my side and broke like that pointy part in the side of, of, of your hip. That's uh-huh. the iliac crest of your pelvis. And so that landed right in the rocks and it shattered my right iliac crest. But no ball and socket damage. That was 2006. And then in 2016, 10 years later, up in your neck of the woods, Nevada City, racing TDS Enduro, found a, you could just go straight through this rocky section, no brakes, because there's no turn. So you can just no brake it and go real fast. Well, it rained the night before the race a ton. And so I'm thinking like, well, it's kind of a gamble, but if I pull it off, I'll probably do really well. And I was doing decent in the race, so I tried it and no braked it. And then it just, my tires washed out under me and I landed on my left hip and broke that left iliac crest. And then last summer, I'm riding with one of the IBIS engineers here in Bellingham. And there's a super wild, steep drop-in. And then on the side, you can ride up on the side of the rock or cliff or whatever, and then jump into the, the, the actual roll-in. Super hairball maneuver. And so I tried it. And once I landed just like immediately started bouncing and flopping super out of control and one foot came off, but I was like lined up with the exit and trying so hard to just ride it out. And I just hit something and it just bounced me right into a tree. And that broke um, the middle of my pelvis clean in half. Oh shoot. But, yeah. The pubic. So have they been in different spots here. every time? Yeah. I've broken both outside edges where like your quadriceps attached to. And then I broke the middle just, this last time so yeah i've so, broken my pelvis way too many times i always wear body armor now when i ride would it be safe to say that was those were your worst accidents or have you had yeah. anything worse than that i think the head injuries are the worst because they take a toll on you like life with a messed up body is one thing but being unable to like speak correctly or like remember your kid's name or like know if you already ate dinner or whatnot is way more horrible than not being able to walk so i think head injuries are way worse than broken yeah. bones yeah, that's crazy man you've had quite yeah. the interesting career man i watched the video that that you did on your uh your channel recently that is kind of like your intro channel intro video that is like uh kind of where you came up and where you went and moved around to and um did you ever think that this is where you would be whenever you started way back when no uh i had no idea <laughs> Yeah, and I'm still not, like, my whole, like, channel goal and vision is right now, it's, I'm, like, redoing all that. So, if you ask me why I'm posting videos right now, I'm still trying to decide, like, what direction it's going to go once I'm back up to speed and riding. Uh-huh. And it's changed a bunch over the years. But, yeah, I've, like, long time, and I've worked in the industry for over 10 years, and just always have been surrounded by mountain bikes. I've lived on trailheads almost my whole life. I grew up three miles from the Soquel Demo Forest. Oh, okay. So I would just, yeah, when I was like 11, 12 years old, I started riding out there. I would just ride out from my parents' house, do a couple laps, and ride home, and would do that all the time, especially in the rain, all through middle school and high school. And yeah, so I've always been surrounded by lots and lots of mountain bikes. You said in the video that you started out on BMX. Do you still ride BMX? No, I'm too old for that. I need my kid to start racing BMX so I can have an excuse to go to the track or at least get a 20 inch, but 
But why do you say you're too old for that? Because obviously breaking bones isn't like the reason. Have you tried to ride a BMX bike on dirt jumps? Oh God, I look like a freaking like a, a circus bear. I used to ride BMX when I was younger too, but I'm definitely too big now. <laughs> I don't even think it's so much a height thing, but like they're like those 75 degree head tube angles with that uh -huh. 20 inch wheel. The amount of trail that fork has is so tiny. It's terrifying. Like when you get just a tad offline on a BMX bike, you need to either bail or stop. You can't just ride out of it like you can on a mountain bike. Yeah, it's, it's been just, a long the hardest time thing since ever. I've been on a BMX bike. I, I can't even remember, honestly, the last time I've been on a BMX bike. Probably like yeah. when I bought my kids one and I was just like riding it around the, the parking, like the garage or something, you know? On the streets in the skate park is, is not half bad, but once you get in the dirt, it gets rough. I would really like to, to do some old man races, but the BMX track here is shut down right now with COVID. Yeah. But hopefully it gets going again soon because I would love for my kiddo to get into BMX. I'm going to move over here into the sunshine. Yeah, no worries, man. We don't get, I mean, same distance from the router. We don't get much sunshine up here. If you blink, you might miss it, but enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're up in, in Bellingham now, right? Yeah, Bellingham, Washington. We wanted to move to a place where mountain biking was uh, a little bit more of a mainstream thing and where we could actually afford a house. And it's not cheap here, but it was, at the time, a third the cost of what we were paying in California. Yeah. So we figured, like, this is – our kid was, wasn't was born yet, and we're like, it's going to be a lot harder to move after a kid than before. So let's try it. My sister and her husband had already been living up here for a couple of years, so we had some – family and a whole bunch of friends from california had just moved up too so it was pretty easy as easy as it can be to move a thousand miles <laughs> right on yeah so do do you enjoy that the riding up there better than like the norcal stuff that you spent a lot of your life in or uh they're different it's, it's good up here up here is more like bike parky so every corner has to have a berm every straightaway has to have like big man-made jumps and yeah. it's like a hunt to find the more natural stuff. So I'm constantly looking for the, the less maintained, less built trails. It's funny that you say that because that was kind of my impression just from watching videos from like uh, Daily MTB Rider and, and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It seemed to me like if you ride up there, you're going to get into jumping because that's like how all the trails are. And it doesn't seem like I don't see much like. Downeyville kind of like just chunk and speed you know there is that but it's so far out of town that it's like a mission to get to so uh-huh yeah do, do i, I want to feel more of that stuff but. what kind of riding do you enjoy doing the most oh just cross-country riding for sure and like really? that gets a bad rap yeah yeah I mean, to me mountain biking is cross-country and that means getting on your bike, riding up a mountain, and then riding back down it in some sweet trail, and, like, as much trails you can fit on that ride. Right. Like, that's mountain biking to me. Like, you can call it enduro, I guess, but I, I still, in my head, call it cross-country, because it's... I feel like they just some pick mileage. a different term, just pick a different term every couple of years. I know. Because it was originally cross-country, then say. it's, like, all-mountain, then it's, like, trail then it's like enduro now i think they're calling it like down country or something like that I, it's like what the hell guys just pick one and stick with it it's almost like your bike dictates what kind of riding you're doing even if it's literally the same trail and it's just kind of silly 
Like I still consider Downeyville a cross country ride. Like the do the Downeyville All Mountain Classic course, either one of them, the cross country Poly Creek to third or whatever. Like to me, that's a cross country loop. And then you do the Downeyville downhill, it's still a cross country trail. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just yeah. I I guess downhill riding would be like bike parks and shuttle runs. Uh-huh. But I'm not super into bike parks. You just you're like it's such a like a pretend experience where you're just like incubated in this tiny little fake reality. It's fun, but it's not my, my, my first love or whatnot. You know, I have North star bike park, you know, right up there in Tahoe, pretty close. Yeah. To North never, star is rad. I've never been and actually ridden because of the same kind of reasons that what you just said, like, yes, I like enjoy, I do enjoy doing shuttle rides, but I, mm-hmm. I am going out places where it's like, I, I just don't have the kind of fitness to get up to like 9,000 feet and then still do 10 miles of downhill afterwards, you know? So it's like, that's the reason I'm doing shuttles, not because of, let's just say like for the bike park reasons. So I I guess the reason that I don't go is because I really enjoy the, the adventure part of mountain biking. And I feel like going to a place like North Star and riding a lift just, Yes, I know I would have fun. It just doesn't seem as appealing to me as sure. like going out and riding a, a quote unquote real trail, you know? Oh man, there's so many good real trails like Nevada City all the way up, all the way up to Tahoe. It's there's so much good riding. I did a lot of North Star back in the day when I was super focused on racing. I would just try and get in at least 10 dog bone laps each visit to North Star. And like I liked the aspect of training wise, you could just do the same thing over and over and over on repeat. But you know, yeah. like that was over 15 years ago. So I've kind of moved on from that at this point. But if you have a goal like that, bike parks have a place and they're fun once in a while. But my, yeah, my heart's more into just riding a regular trail here. The place where I got hurt, that trail is kind of built up bike parky now, but there's a bunch of other trails there that are more natural more like you're doing a route on trail through the through the mountains that's real fun more rooty and raw and natural one of the downhills mm-hmm. when it in the summertime i can pedal up it pretty easily but then in the winter time it's not that steep but i'm i struggle to get down it because it gets so wet and soggy that you really have to uh-huh. mash super hard on the pedals to make your progress down the hill and then there's so many roots that just constantly deflect you off your line it's super hard to stay on the trail, let alone have any speed. Uh, I like that technical aspect of like having to work to get your distance and like, Oh man, uh, what is it called? Um, what's that lake trail right off crystal, is it crystal Springs? And then there's, um, Oh man, there's a real popular, it's not hole in the ground. Maybe it is hole in the ground. That's like a granity slabby trail, right? Hole in the ground, right off highway 80. Yeah. It's like across the street from Borealski. Yes, that's it. Yeah. There's tons of good stuff around there where you just like you're really hunting to find your way through the rocks and cover some distance. That kind of riding is yeah. really fun and special, but it's not very popular. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff up in that area that is unsanctioned as well. Do you have a yeah. lot of that where you guys are at? Because it seems to yeah. me like Washington is like a free for all for like trail builders. <laughs> Free for all, no, but we have a lot of logging company property where they definitely don't want mountain bikers in there getting her potential lawsuit or whatever, but they have bigger things to worry about as well, like, you know, the drug scene or whatever, people dumping old trailers, whatever. 
so you can get away with a lot more up here. I ride tons of unsanctioned trail, but I don't publish any of that. I'll never, like I realized a long time ago, you can't publish anything from the unsanctioned stuff. So anytime I'm doing a, I guess I call it a work ride, a filming ride. I always ride only the sanctioned stuff, but you know, I always talk about advocacy and how important that is, but I don't want to lie and say I don't ride unsanctioned stuff because there's a lot of rad stuff that'll make you a way better rider that will never be public and sanctioned and legal. And it's always going to be there. Yeah. So don't pretend like it doesn't exist. But yeah, I love that stuff. I just don't like film on it and make a big deal about it. Yeah, totally. No, I understand. I think it's interesting because like you, you're, you're from Santa Cruz originally in, in mm-hmm. or that area, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, everybody knows that you, right, UC is like one of the places that's completely unsanctioned. Everybody and their grandmother's riding out there. There's nothing but trucks in every parking spot around with bike racks on it. And then everybody acts like all high and mighty about like, don't, don't <laughs> talk about it. You know, and it just doesn't make any sense to me, like yeah. that attitude, you know? That's kind of the Santa Cruz but vibe on the other hand, of like localism. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that get off my wave kind of personality, you know. Uh, yeah, it's. That's I don't know. Mountain biking's not surfing. We're not limited to shore breaks, and then we're not limited to certain weather sets of like when waves <laughs> are coming. Mountain right. biking's way more unlimited, and we can always build more trail and open more trail. Well, it's tough in California, but once you kind of get out, out of into the rest of the country it's it's so much easier to open more trail and new trail so yeah it sucks when one trail gets too crowded yeah. that means you got to get those folks involved and open in some more and it, it can definitely be done i will say over the last few years you can definitely see a lot more like a lot more springing up and a lot more people getting interested in the sport and even though this covid situation has like brought a ton of people out that maybe don't understand trail advocacy and are throwing trash yes. all over the place. There are <laughs> yeah. a lot of, of new people out there on bikes. And those of us that have been around, you know, it's, you know, we should take that opportunity to, you know, help, help these new people out and like, not set them straight, you know, but like befriend them <laughs> and show them like, Hey dude, yeah. like I got what you bring in, you know, and stuff like that, you know, I've got a huge initiative going so- to, for education in that regard coming out here in the next little bit. I'm not ready to publish the details yet, but I'm still securing some trade names. But yeah, that's gonna be a big part of what I'm gonna try to try to be doing as I'm recovering from all this. Cause I don't I'm kinda like this is the last straw. I can't afford to land head first in any more trees. So yeah. But this guy's kind of yeah. been like a blessing for mountain biking. Like mountain bikes sold out left and right. A big part of how I like am able to make yeah. the videos I do is through through Jensen with the affiliate stuff. And I literally, it got to the point where bikes aren't selling because they're all gone. They're all sold. So it's like capped. It's plateaued yeah. now. It's, it's, I never, ever thought that would be a thing. But it's so hard to buy a bike right now because literally most things are sold out. I almost want to do a video saying like, hey, guys, look, these yeah. four bikes aren't sold out yet. But that's kind of cheese ball. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm about to, to release a video on a, a new bike that I just purchased. And I bought the bike in January, right whenever all this stuff happened. And they were like, yeah, two weeks, it'll be here. And it took like over four months for it to get here. Dude, my, we're trying to get a new bike for my wife. And we've been looking at December. I, I think it's going to be later than that. And we were checking into that in like early May. 
late April. So it's things are, yeah, we've never seen this much interest in mountain biking. I mean, with all the bars and restaurants shut down, all the music venues shut down, folks are literally like looking for things to do and rediscovering mountain biking in the outdoors. It's kind of cool. Yeah, no, it's definitely cool to see people actually going out and doing something, you know? If I was to put money on it, like, before all this happened, I would have assumed people would have sat around and been lazy with more. You know I, I know, mean? me but, too. Like, <laughs> it's restored a little hope in humanity. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I noticed the internet comments got way more negative, like, back in April. And then once May came around, it, like, kind of rebounded. And then june was interesting like wow that was a wild month but yeah it's been an interesting ride for sure robert is this like is the biker channel your livelihood or do you have a job outside of that no i do it i'm a, a project manager for a, a big huge oil company but the oh cool sector that i work for we build robots that go to the bottom of the ocean so oh wow that's awesome unfortunately the, U- the YouTube truck of money hasn't showed up yet, so till then. <laughs> yeah, I'm still waiting for it, just too. Just sit out here in my hot garage talking to guys on, on Sunday night. <laughs> is it is it 115, like home skillet was saying? So you got in, in with... Garage? Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, yeah, it's at least 150 in here. I'm just pretending like oh. I'm not sweating. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, sorry I'm not what, checking uh, out more what, of these so comments. Got, it's tough to toggle got, back and forth on the phone, but I see a lot of a lot of great ones in here. Thanks, Kenya. What's I don't up? Worry about the comments at all, man. I think it's awesome to like engage with the audience. Yeah, don't don't like, worry about tough, the comments. We can take all. away from. Okay. <laughs> I need to do more YouTube live. I was yeah, doing yeah, it a yeah. bunch I last just, year. I, if something pops up that really grabs my attention, I'll I'll say something about it. But otherwise, oh. it's, it, it's just we're here to have a conversation, and they're here to listen. And, and join in if you can, here to listen. Otherwise it is you will there. listen. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a little Dude, lag I, on the on the audio on that so I'm like Oh between us that must be it. Thing. Well, I want to compliment you, Robert, on um, your tech savviness. I've noticed I your website you. was super dialed. The template you were using was really good. And the way you integrated a few things to your website really caught my eye a while ago. So I just want to say nice work on all that. And I'm not surprised to hear IT is your your forte because yeah, you had some really cool stuff dialed in that way digitally. War Within saw a video. It says different about the YouTube truck money. Well, War Within, if you can tell that YouTube truck full of money to come by Bellingham, I am right here. And I am not finding any truck fulls of money. So Mario, is it that, am I frozen or is it just Robert that's frozen? I'm back. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh! I hear Robert. I hear Robert. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that, man. Do you think it's on your end or my end? Uh, that was actually my uh, iPhone when I was broadcasting on there overheated. So as we were oh. talking about how hot it is in the garage. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. I still got sixty percent battery. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was like, I, I was sitting here in Australia. Yeah, I was like sitting here and I was like, oh, I don't hear any audio anymore. I saw your lips moving and I was like, yeah, well, I guess this is how this one's going. <laughs> oh, man. So I was just saying I was super impressed with your website and just how digitally savvy everything was and how well, how cohesive it all was well, quite a while back. I think I actually asked you what you were using to put a few things together. So it makes oh, sense right your on. IT. I, I see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I am. Um, when I first got into web stuff, it was just something I was interested in. And I, I um, tried to take a class in college and mm -hmm. it just didn't work out with my schedule at the time. I had two kids and a full-time job and I was going to school at the same time. And uh, the, the class didn't work out. So I was like, well, I still want to learn it. So I just got online and basically just taught myself everything. So it's crazy what you can learn from the internet, right? Dude, as long as you're motivated, you can definitely, there's no stopping anyone in this day and age. Kind of cool. It's democratized a lot of things. Yeah. And then here we are on the internet too. teaching other people how to do stuff, right? Like yeah. how to, how to oh, fail at live streaming. <laughs> so hopefully, doing uh, all right. yeah, no, it's working out better than I had a, 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 a episode a while back that just got all wonky because my internet was going crazy and, uh, this is going better than that. So otherwise I would have just said, screw it. We're, we're going to have to call it. But um, so you started at Ibis a long time ago. They were fairly new company when you got, when you started working there, right? Yeah. So I've got a video coming out in a little bit more about Ibis and their history, but they kind of came out of nowhere in 2005. They'd fizzled out in 01, like really 2000 when Scott Nichols sold them. It's kind of sort of the end of the original Ibis. Uh-huh. And then Hans had the bike. He was the president of Santa Cruz Bikes, and the Novak and Roscott bought him out, and he had a no-compete. So he had that buyout money, and he waited for the no-compete to be up, and then he bought the Ibis trade name. And then he contacted Scott and Nickel and got Scott involved, and they finally had their ducks in a row to show off the Mojo Carbon uh -huh. in late 2005 at Interbike, which is normally September in Las yeah. Vegas. So they were like... That's 2005, and then I got involved in 2008, so three years later, which is kind of a while, three years. Yeah, but, but you're still on the front end, then. Yeah. Yeah, roughly, yeah. I was at the Scotts Valley location at first. Yeah. I had to move to Santa Cruz. I was in the warehouse for a couple of years and then got um, promoted up to sales and did sales for a long time. And that was an awesome opportunity. That was really cool. What do you think that that taught you about the bike industry? Because before that, you were just the guy that was racing bikes, right? Yeah, well, I worked at Lazine for quite a while doing like a little bit of web stuff. And like I told them going in, like, look, guys, I'm not a web designer. I just know how to send emails. They're like, and okay, they're like, you're oh, our IT guy. <laughs> <laughs> I did a little bit. I did what I could and tried. But um, you know what's funny is like I was CC'd on a few sales emails and then at WTB. Um, WTB shared a lot of contact info with distributors with uh, Lazine back in the day. And then it was a lot of the same people 10 years later, still with all these international distributions. But I started to learn things at Lazine and see how things kind of worked. And Lazine was way more like a drop ship out of Taiwan. Lazine has Taiwan warehouses and stuff that they'll ship to customers directly from. This is more of a traditional old school business model where they're like importing into the US and then sending out to the rest of the world again. So it was just a different perspective, but um, you know, bike shops really, the bike shop life kind of teaches you the most, to be honest. And then obviously learn how small the industry is, how cash strapped it is. I mean, so many bike shops are just so tight on money and credit and all that. And yeah, that was interesting to see. And then WTB was like, I kind of learned about the bike shop supplier dynamic at Ibis. And then at WTB is learning more about like, the manufacturer to the brand slash supplier to the the distributor dynamic, which is cool. So they're super different. Right on, man. So what do you what what are your plans for the YouTube channel? 
I don't know yet. I'm still like, I've got two new channels I'm working on starting. I don't have all the info ready for public facing, but yeah, yeah, I'm still get getting it. my ducks in a row. And it's tough. Like, my channel is not nearly focused enough to be successful in theory. Luckily, I've got a lot of folks who've been checking out my videos for long enough that they're, I don't know, they're great supporters. So that's really helpful. But I've, I struggle to like be very specific. I always struggle with that. And I'm going to try and do that with these next two. And I'll still do think, my own channel as well. I think managing three channels is going to be impossible. But if each one gets one upload a week, I think it would be enough to work. And then I'll probably throttle back on my own eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense. You yeah. got to just keep doing you, man. Don't feel like you need to fit some kind of mold. Because I think at the end of the day, dude, as it is right now, you got a pretty healthy uh, audience. And just keep doing what you're doing. And don't, don't worry you. about it, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Like, it depends who you're talking to and who they've been talking to. It changes your perspective. And it's like, yeah, everyone has a different reality. And so it's, it's easy to get caught up in someone else's. And at the same time, like, if you're trying to work with sponsors, like I used to have sponsors as my primary bread and butter to keep everything going. Uh-huh. And I would, I would love to move to the point of having very few sponsors, just very committed sponsors. Like, Seth has done a great job of that. As I mean, yeah. Back in the day, it was like, I mean, when I kind of started out with doing the whole YouTube thing, the only way I could fund it was through sponsorship. I'd done these big videos and I just like presented a few companies like, hey, here's this pitch I have for an idea. If you put in X amount of money, these other guys are pitching in too. All of us can share it and broadcast it. We all have small nets of, you know, small audiences, but added together, this will help all of us mutually. And that was so much coordination and running around, but it got things going. And now that things are a little bit bigger, I've been kind of relying more on like Jensen and then my YouTube or my writing tutorials on Patreon have gotten surprisingly healthy, which is cool. So like things, it's a little bit different business model now, less sponsorship reliant. And yeah, it's been like a blessing and a curse having that background coming into it. It allowed me to get going with this full time sooner, but it also like curtailed the growth because uh-huh. then I had to do like more sponsor, like sponsored videos turned from like fun projects of like just riding so a little bit more salesy stuff which is fine you got to pay the bills but you know right when folks come and they're not expecting to be like explained about a product kind of an, i'm i have a sales background so i have a hard time not getting too salesy and on camera <laughs> i mean i worked sales at ibis for years wtb same thing and yeah I'm, I, i've all i mean it's hard to find your voice online too so there, there's all that, but you know, I'm happy with where it is now. And now I've like learned So hopefully the next few intents or channels or whatever, hopefully they do better, but you know, proof would be in the pudding. So I just recently went down to slow for the first time. And oh, nice. my understanding is that you went to college down there. You were part of the collegiate team. Yeah. The Cal Poly wheelmen have a long time been an awesome group of folks and a great, great racing team. So is all the riding like right there, right next to the coast, or is there stuff all over? Or? Uh, where did you ride? I didn't ride. I just went out and took a bunch of pictures that, that were like out around Morro Bay and stuff. I, I didn't have. I okay. wasn't able to bring my bike down. I was with the with the lady for the uh, anniversary, and and so. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's good riding down there. I used to live in Los Osos, just on the south end of Morro Bay. Uh-huh. I spent a few years there, and Montana de Oro. At yeah super foggy but really nice um montagna montagna del oro is a good state park with some fun trail riding but i would mostly ride in san luis obispo 
there's uh-huh. kind of like that one spot by the water. Most of the riding is in San Luis. It's up on West Cuesta Ridge, TV Tower Road. And it's like pretty rugged, very loose over hardtack, very kind of like deserty. So it's really, it's some of the hardest stuff to, to be fast at riding because it's so slippery. Like I always thought Downeyville had a ton more traction than San Luis Obispo. I can see that. It so, yeah, it's so unforgivingly rocky. But then, like, hard pack at the same time, so you're just, like, sliding constantly. Do you think that really helped you in your race career? Oh, tons, yeah. And we would just ride downhill bikes primarily. I would go out and do three laps of Cuesta Ridge on my M1 a few times a week. So I would just always, like, we all of our bikes were downhill bikes at the time, like 2003 to 2008. Enduro Mm -hmm. didn't exist yet. Or I would go, like, go and hike tower trail runs where you're just, like, hiking. It's like a... I think my fastest hiking time was like 26 minutes, but usually it's like 45 minutes to hike up. And it's a, it's a full-on workout to get to the top, pushing your downhill bike. And uh-huh. then, you know, you get a seven-minute race run down. There's San Luis has a great riding scene, and that's like it, riding hard stuff like that is a great way to get better. But like riding with better, better riders is the other good way of getting better. And there's so many fast folks down there. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that was that was super beneficial. So would you say like, how do you feel about like collegiate riders and stuff? Like, do you think that somebody should get involved in that when they're in college or Dude, definitely off, like... it's a huge opportunity. And like, it's amazing, but just racing with the wheelman, the West coast conference for those five years in the industry, so many of my friends from the collegiate scene made their way into the bike industry. And I'm trying to figure out like what my YouTube channel, my personal one should be about. And I've always been immersed in the cycling culture, just like early the mountain bike culture, at least. Uh-huh. And it's kind of funny, like everyone that raced collegiate, like the races, you'd all go and camp out together in the middle of nowhere for two nights, three days. It'd be like half party, half race. Yeah, it sounds like a good up, time. That's a great time, but it's just like creates a lifestyle that then you want to live all year. And then you graduate school and you're like, well, all my friends want to go ride bikes. They, my buddy got a job at this bike company. Maybe they'll hire me. Oh, I've got a job there. And next yeah. thing you know, like, man, like, so many of my friends from the collegiate scene ended up working in the industry and, and just like the riding itself in that scene is a great way to get better because everyone's very inclusive and inviting. And I don't know, I probably had, I probably rode with a few hundred different people over my college career, just in San Luis Obispo alone, just because people are like joining the club to see what mountain biking is all about. So you get a good diverse group. Yeah. It's super cool. Right on, man. So if you had yeah. to choose between a, a full suspension and a hardtail, what would you take? What would you take? <laughs> Uh, where are we riding? Who are we? <laughs> for me or for my daughter or for my wife? For who? Just for you. Um, I don't know. Uh, if I only had one bike for the rest of my life, it would be a hardtail. Probably my Chromag. I rode that thing today and like it's such a cool do-it-all machine because you can go to the pump track, you can go to the BMX track, you can hit some dirt jumps. It's just, it keeps your trails fun. Whereas like you know, like I live on a pretty developed sanctioned trail network and it gets pretty boring if you're riding your 170 travel enduro bike all the time. So when you're on a hardtail, it doesn't get nearly as boring nearly as quickly. So yeah, hardtails are pretty sweet that way. Um, if I live someplace that was more jagged and rough and rocky, then it might be a full suspension, but then you can't ride the pump tracks as well. So Hardtails are definitely underrated. 
we only got a few more minutes about loose over hardtack being like south mountain south mountain has way more traction than san luis obispo really south mountain everything's hard or everything's loose it's not that weird mixture of the two so south mountain is way more predictable way more forgiving in an odd way than san luis obispo was um where's your where's your favorite place to ride that you've been over the years Oh, I don't know. Uh, bike. Someone says I need some shade. I don't know. The favorite place. Um, oh, I I shouldn't take that question seriously because it makes it so hard to answer. To seriously, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Just think about how about like a, one of the best memories of riding somewhere that you've been. Then there's so of- many. There's so many. I think the best for me are the trails that you look at them. And they're crazy technical, but you see multiple ways of riding it. Yeah. So like Chuck and I has a few trails like that. And you're like, Ooh, I could gap those or I could manual this over here or I could just pump, 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 and then gap down there. And it's kind of like a puzzle. It's like a mental riddle of deciding the best way to get through it. Cause it's not just one line. I mean, I like trails that are super narrow, but then you can always find the alternate line, like on the wall on the side or whatever. So I don't know. I like those little, mental tetris trails they're usually like hiking old school hiking trails are my favorite but haven't seen a lot of tires that you're really just like trying to figure out how to get your bike through and you know Pinecrest has some cool stuff like that that no one really likes to ride e-bikes are awesome for that kind of riding because they 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 allow the really flat stuff that's just endless to all of a sudden be this amazing riddle of just like possibilities of do you you have an e-bike no not right now but i'm trying to get some more intense through jensen loaned me one for a few months Uh that was super fun and then uh i'm trying to get a couple more i'm trying to get one from orbea right now and they're down i'm just waiting on some stuff at jensen to come through but hopefully that works out that orbea has the a different motor it's not the shimano motor uh-huh. So I'm excited to try a non Shimano motor. And then there's a Norco site that looks really nice. I want to try that. And I'm kind of curious how that Heckler rides too. Cause it's also VPP kind of like. Yeah. The but I'm, a Santa Cruz, I'm a Santa Cruz fanboy, So I definitely want to try the Heckler, but that site I've ridden the Norco site, like the regular one. And it's a pretty okay. fun bike. So I would imagine, I know some guys over at Norco and uh, I would imagine that that thing's got to be super dialed to the e-bike one. I hope. I still feel like there's like two distinct types of e-bikes and no one's, I mean, people are starting to, to kind of specialize them more, but ironically here in Bellingham, like we don't really have those super hard chunky trails. There's a few moto trails that are off the map that are like super old school that are like that, but they're hard to get to. Out in Arizona, there's way more of those crazy chunky tech. Up in the Sierras, there's a lot of them. Yeah. We have like straight up a logging road and then straight down a downhill trail. E-bikes are so good for that. Cause then you can do twice the laps you could do on a pedal bike. Yeah. Yeah, totally. There's some spots around. I, I'd like to have one as like an extra bike in the stable. Cause there's some spots exactly what you're saying. Like if we shuttle them with a car, then we're going to spend so much time driving back and forth and resetting trucks. And if we pedal them, we're just going to blow our legs out in a lap or two because like the Hills like straight up, you know? So I definitely understand where you're coming from. I'd love to have one. It's just a matter of finances at this point. Yeah. I like them because I lose a lot of weight when I ride an e-bike because I don't end up going in the red zone. So you don't need to recover. Yeah. Rather than having like these weird spikes that you get on a pedal bike where you're like 
big push burst of energy and then you need to recover and then big push on the e-bike you just keep it constant and it burns way more calories keeping that constant heart rate for longer than going into the red and then having to recover so i said to somebody the other i said to somebody the other day i feel like e-bikes are like they turn a mountain bike ride into a road ride where you're just like because like on a road ride you're like like in the sense of you're just keeping a cadence you're pedaling you're not like super getting like blown out like mountain biking you go like way up to like max heart rate back down to chill up to max heart rate back down to chill yeah. sort of in the you know what i mean you're like all over the place i and like so i you said the sacramento perspective of road biking where it's very flat yeah <laughs> around here it's still pretty up and down so I'm yeah like, <laughs> i guess i don't get up into the hills much on my road bike because if i'm gonna go do hills i'm gonna do it on the, on the dirt so you got a good good point there well, hey, man, we're just about at, at an hour here, dude. And I just want to uh, like tell you I really appreciate you being on the show. Everything, it's been fun Thanks chatting with you. I appreciate it. And it's nice yeah. to hear more of, of who's behind the biker channel, too. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. I apologize for the little bit of technical difficulties, but it seems like we worked our way That's through right. it. So uh, <laughs> I did do, uh, do appreciate you getting on. And hopefully I can make my way up to Bellingham here. I've been telling Josh from uh, daily MTB rider. I want to get up there, just check out what you guys have. So when that happens, I'll definitely be hitting you up as well. I, uh, yeah, let me know. I'd love to ride here on like Galbraith's right here. It's a great riding spot. And then Chuck and Nuts right around the corner too. A little bit more natural. They're both super fun. Right on man. Well, Hey, everybody that hung out for the whole time. Thanks for, for, for being part of the show as well. You guys that uh, hit the thumbs up button right on i give you a little fist bump and uh those of you guys that didn't hit the thumbs up button come on man make it happen seriously it's not that hard uh the, the subscribe button's right there too um trying to see this thing grow so you guys if you like what you're seeing you want to keep seeing more of this hit the subscribe button because if that doesn't happen i'm gonna be like hey nobody likes it i'm gonna have to go ahead and pack it up i do want to say Bad one more time up. Right. <laughs> I do want to say one more time. Thanks to uh, Cali Protectives for sponsoring this show. You guys put out great equipment. If you guys are interested in buying some, look in the show more. There's a link down there. It'll save you 15 to 20%. I can't remember what it is. Click it. It'll be like a surprise for both of us. But I'm telling you, the Maya super <laughs> comfortable. According to Jeff, the Interceptor is even more safe than the Maya, which I've banged yeah. my head around the Maya a few times. So I feel like I'm safe, but hey, I'm I'm gonna take your word for it. You you sound like I ride more... the Maya half the time, and I really I, I trust it with my life. It's where I got that's what saved me from dying a month ago. But the interceptor is the interceptor is even more safer. It just has a little smaller visor, so you got to yeah. figure out what's gonna work for you and your budget. They're both solid helmets. So trust the guy with all the concussions and the several broken hips. He knows about crashing more than I yeah. do. <laughs> Hey, man, thanks again. And everybody out there, man, I, I'm serious. You guys are awesome. I'm going to go ahead and just run my mouth for a quick second so I can click this stupid thing over here that I'm trying to find. Right there it is. Hey, you guys all, all of you, remember one thing and one thing only. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs> That's such an awesome call for us. I love it. <laughs>